The backwoods seemed to be a place full of mystery, strange discoveries, and downright horrifying happenings. Welcome back to The Swamp, my friends, and welcome if you're new. Today I'm going to be sharing some creepy and allegedly true backwoods horror stories that'll freak you out tonight. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I would love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. Recently, I started streaming over on Twitch. I play horror games, watch terrible horror movies, and do cool stuff out in nature over there. So be sure to give me a follow if you're a fan of that. You can also find the link to that in the description. New seasons mean new seasonal recipes, and now it's easier than ever. With fresh ingredients delivered to your door, HelloFresh brings the farmer's market to you. Get 16 free meals plus 3 free gifts with code SWAMPED16 at HelloFresh.com SWAMPED16. This story takes place one year ago when I lived in the backwoods of Georgia. I now live in Wyoming. It's much better here. My name is Patrick. I'm 17 now, but this happened when I was 16 years old. And this is hard for me to write because it still scares the hell out of me to this day. So, my friends Mark, CJ, and Chelsea, and I were going to spend the night together because my brother was at his friend's house, and my mom and dad were going to be out of town for the next week. I must note I was 16, Mark was 15, and Chelsea was the same age as me. CJ was 17, and he had his license. Because I lived in the backwoods, CJ drove Mark and Chelsea to my house. The first three hours were just fine and regular. We watched movies, played some PS4 games, and browsed Netflix until midnight. At this point, we were browsing the internet looking for creepy paranormal stories and videos. Mark is a believer, and so am I and Chelsea. But CJ, he's a skeptic, but we still liked him because he was cool. He is a more badass punk rock version of Tom Cruise, and I say Tom Cruise because he was about 5'4", Mark is 5'6", Chelsea is 4'10", and I am 6'4". I am the tallest. My dad is an ex-marine, he is a badass, at 70 years old, he is 6'4", and can still take on just about anyone. I definitely got my height from my dad. Had I not been tall and robust and strong, my friends and I would not be alive today. Here's why. We were sitting, alone, and my dog went nuts out of nowhere. I grabbed my dad's shotgun because my house was on a back road in the woods. The nearest person was five miles away, and my property had a no trespassing sign and private property signs were posted everywhere. It's very clear to see. So I look outside and see nothing. Then, I hear a sound that sends chills down my spine even as I write this. I said, what the heck is that? CJ comes running outside. I hand him my mom's pistol, and just as we get ready to walk back into the house, I see something run into the woods. CJ and I run after it with our guns and flashlights. After about 15 minutes, CJ goes, shh, quiet. Then he points at something. It takes me a minute to see what it is. Then, after my eyes adjust, I see it. I open fire and then CJ starts shooting as well. I stop and tell him to stop soon after. We hear a scream coming from the house. 
CJ and myself run back to the house faster than I think we've ever had before. It was almost like we were track and field stars at this point. We hear that god-awful sound again. CJ and I run into the back door. We find Mark and Chelsea in the corner of the room. Chelsea was crying and said, What was that? We all had shock on our faces. And when I looked at my dog, Sarah, who was a 10-year-old black lab, she is the best dog ever, I saw her hiding behind my dad's chair, and there were three long and deep claw marks along her side. We spent the rest of the night in the upstairs bedroom with all of the doors locked. When the sun came up, we went outside with my dad's shotgun and searched the backyard. I found two large giant footprints where I saw that thing run into the woods. I told CJ and Mark, but not Chelsea. I ended up staying at CJ's place for the next couple of days because I was so freaked out. Then, my mom and dad came home one day. It was about dinner time. When dad and I talked in the living room, I told him exactly what happened. He said I probably saw a Wendigo. Mark just told me he had stage 4 cancer. He only has 6 months to live, so I figured I would share the story. This story is about an encounter my friends and I had at my friend's farm. To this day, we still can't explain what happened that night. My friend's mom dropped us off at their farm with our guns, bags, teepee, cooler, and whatever else we needed to survive as 15-year-olds alone in the woods. The farm is mostly pasture, with about 5 to 8 acres of woods in the back corner. There is a barn, pump house, and old run-down chicken houses in the front corner of the entrance. Now, you can't quite just drive straight to the back of the farm from the entrance. You must go between the chicken houses, through the gate to the pasture, and then back to the fence line. When we get in my friend's gator, with all of our gear, and head to set up the camp in the woods, we set up our teepee and put our bags and hunting rifles in it. We brought with us two semi-automatic 22s and two hunting rifles, bolt action. We shot a couple of pigs in traps, but didn't do anything special till night. We waited till it was dark outside to go hunt for raccoons, possums, hogs, and whatever else we could find to shoot. We hopped in the gator with our 22s, and for good measure, we sat about 30 to 40 yards back from the deer feeder, searching for the slightest noise hoping to get a raccoon. We were sitting there for about an hour or so when my friend, in this confused tone, whispered to me and our friend to look towards the barn. At first, we thought nothing out of the ordinary was happening, but about 15 seconds later, a bright light came on, then went off about 5 seconds later. We all gave each other the same look. Did you see that too? My friend quickly remembered that there was a light on a power pole by the entrance. We watched from about 200 yards away as the light went on and off. We were pretty sure it was the light on the pole, but that quickly changed when the light moved about 50 yards to the right. At that moment, I cranked up the gator and floored it to the chicken houses with the lights off. We are on the opposite side of the chicken houses, and they are about 100 yards long. Now, even though I floored it over there, I was confident whatever was at the entrance couldn't hear us come as the gator is very quiet, and you can barely hear it unless you're within 30 yards of it. They get out, and I take the hunting rifle and steady it on the steering wheel and scope out the area to look for movement. Now... It was dark, but there was enough light from the moon to see the barn. 
I didn't see anything, but as soon as I stopped looking through the scope, the light came on again. Right next to the pump house, I quickly got out of the gator, and we quietly made our way through one of the chicken houses. I switched guns with my friend, because I'm better with iron sights and I can shoot faster that way. He went behind the chicken house with the rifle and watched us through the scope as he could see everything from where he was. So, he acted as an overwatch as me and my friend cleared the barn. Then, the other chicken house. Then as we made our way to the pump house, we had seen the light next to the pump house before, so we were confident if someone was there, they'd be in the pump house. We got on either side of the door. I motioned for my friend to come over as he had the most powerful gun. They got on the side with the handle. One with a rifle, the other with a flashlight, and I got the other side. We all knew what we were going to do. I was going to swing the door open and they were going to sweep the room and make sure nobody was in there. I nod to make sure they are ready. They nod back. I hold my fingers. Three. Two. One. Nothing. The door was locked. We looked at each other in confusion. My one friend stays at the door with the twenty-two in the flashlight while I and my other friend with the rifle run to the barn to get the spare key. He lifts the rock and turns to me in shock saying the key is gone. We ran back to the pump house and tried to think of what to do. My friend and I get right in front of the door with him and the flashlight and me with the twenty-two. My other friend pounds on the door yelling for whoever yelling for whoever was in there to come out and we wouldn't call the cops if they came out peacefully. Which was a lie, of course. In Texas, you don't come onto somebody's farm in the middle of the night and hide on their property and expect to get away free and uninjured. We waited, but there was nothing. We walked back to the chicken house talking, so that whoever was in there knew that we had left. We waited in the chicken houses for about an hour and a half, each of us in different spots, split between the chicken houses. We waited, sights focused on the front door, just waiting for someone to come out. After an hour and a half and nothing, I motioned to my friends that I was going to go up to the pump house and listen. I quietly made my way up to the pump house, making sure I didn't step on the gravel. I crept up to the door and put my ear against it, my knife pressed against the door, ready to stab whoever was in there in case they tried to attack me. I listened for about ten minutes but heard nothing really. I quietly made my way back to my friends and I told them I was going to get the gator and told them to keep watching the door. On the other side of the chicken house where the gator was was an old feeder. As I got in the gator and started to slowly creep past the feeder, the grass started making noise like something hit the metal feeder with a thud and a scratch like somebody was running around the feeder to chase me. I punched it, spun the tires, and got to my friends as fast as I could. I didn't look back, which was stupid of me, because now I don't know what was there. When I got back to my friends, I told them what happened. We rode back to the feeder. Two of us stayed in the gator, one on the side of the feeder, and the other hopped out as quickly as he could and checked around the feeder. We didn't see anything. We didn't find anything. We rode back to the camp and talked about what happened. It was now about 11 at night and we talked for about an hour and then all went to sleep. At about 2.45 in the morning, my friend and I woke up. We both looked at each other. We were hearing footsteps just feet outside of our tent, somewhere in the tree line. I grabbed my 22, which I kept loaded for security reasons and safety reasons, obviously, after everything we've experienced, and my friend grabbed his knife. The footsteps lasted about five minutes and we were frozen in shock. We were honestly too scared to do anything. 
We were too scared to talk, too scared to go outside, worrying as soon as we stepped out our heads would get blown off. We didn't go back to sleep for about 30 minutes or so, and it's a miracle we even fell asleep. When we woke up, my friend's mom was already at the farm, and we packed up as quickly as we could and got out of there. To this day, my friend hasn't found that spare key. We can't explain what happened that night, and I don't know if I want to. Thanks for listening to my story. I know it might not be the most terrifying story ever shared on this show, but I thought I'd share it because it was downright strange. To start, I've always been a person who has been interested in spiritual things. Maybe a year ago, I finally thought I'd commit myself to shamanism. I was inexperienced, and I still am, as I haven't touched it ever since this story happened. I remember it being a Thursday night, and I had recently bought myself a book that taught me about ways and information. But this book also detailed small, non-violent rituals in which I could do shamanic things. Ever since buying this, I was pumped as I had finally had something to commit to as I had been struggling with purpose in my life and this helped ease that. Before the ritual, I had ventured out following a snaking river where I knew there would be a perfect spot somewhere in the deep woods to do my first ritual. I had built a fire in preparation. The ceremony was that I would make an offering of incense and various foods and ingredients, which was all right with me. All that was supposed to happen was that I would communicate to a fire spirit and enter a trance-like state. Then came the night of the ritual. I waited roughly until 10.30pm to head out to the intense site in the woods. I slung a massive drum encased in its cover across my shoulder while holding incense and some food in the other, along with materials to light a small fire. Now here is something that I must note. There was no wind whatsoever, and the sounds of the night flow were present. I felt genuinely safe as I hiked through the dark and everything seemed normal. I eventually made it to my ritual site and I prepared everything. I also lit the fire, prepared the food, and lit the incense. I began to drum rhythmically to try and get myself to trance out as specified in the book. But that's when I opened my eyes and realized the wind was suddenly here and incredibly violent, swaying my fire from side to side to the extent that the flames licked the floor at points. I had specifically checked the weather and it was not supposed to be at all like this. It was actually supposed to be a record still night. It had only been about maybe two minutes since I had begun the ritual, and I had no idea where all this wind came from. On top of this, the sounds of nightlife had become utterly silent. I heard no birds and listened to no kangaroos, just nothing. The hair on my arms and legs stood straight up, and I felt incredibly unwelcome. I felt as though I was being watched, and whatever was around me wanted me to meet a very violent end. I quickly packed my stuff, and this proceeds with the feeling of hate that seemed to chase me until I got to the clearing that is my home, upon which it felt like I had a lifted weight off my shoulders. Once I was home, I locked all of the doors and windows, but when I looked out the window, I felt watched every single time I looked towards the woods. Finally, I shut my blinds and tried my best to sleep, but I did not sleep that night, not a wink. Unfortunately, that's not where it all ended. According to the ritual, you were supposed to go and collect some of the ashes from the fire the next day, 
but I didn't do it as I was terrified of going into the woods again. The next night, I could hear a man whistling. The whistling came from the woods, but it was not that of a song, if that makes sense. His whistling would be in tune of a song, but it would be like if something was smashing into your face. It didn't really have a theme or a melody. It was just a singy tune almost. I don't know how to explain it. This went on for about a week, sometimes as close as maybe 10 feet from my window, and sometimes from the edges of the woods or deep inside the woods. After this week of creepy whistling, the whistling was replaced one night by a singular screech-like scream of what sounded like pain coming from within the woods. This scream was woman-like and not like a man, and this confused me. After that night, the whistling returned and continued for about a month until it finally stopped abruptly. Maybe a half a year has passed since the ending of that month, and I no longer hear things from the woods at night, but there's still something there watching me. Whenever I look at the woods at night, I feel that same feeling of the night of the ritual, and I feel utterly unwelcome, and the hair on the back of my neck stands on end. Anytime I go into the woods during the day, I think I'm being followed. One comfort is that whatever is in those woods doesn't seem to leave them, as I've gone camping in different woods, and it's been completely fine. Since that ritual, I have not gone back to the ritual place out of fear, and I'm tentative to even go back inside the woods in general. Since that incident, I have not touched shamanism in any shape or form. Do you guys reckon I accidentally made the woods here haunted? Some extra information about where I live. I live on a giant limestone ridge of sorts, where it's riddled with caves, and I know some people have died due to these caves. I live on aboriginal land, so I don't know if that has something to do with it. Bushfires have come through here recently, and I can tell by the many trees that have been left with burn marks on their bases that they're definitely hiding some secrets. I'm a hunter. I like to hunt wild boars specifically. Though I have been deer hunting and have been known to get a turkey for Thanksgiving, I mostly hunt boar. For those of you that don't know, boar is a big problem in the United States. A sow can have two litters a year, and it's not uncommon for a litter to consist of ten or more pigs. Given that pigs eat everything, and anything, it's not hard to see why the Department of Fish and Wildlife makes it legal to hunt them at almost no restrictions. In my state, it's illegal to hunt most large mammals with night or thermal vision scopes, except for boar and coyote. I had been saving up my fun money fund for about a year. It's hard to explain to your wife that a scope costs literally twice as much as the rifle. But I did it. I took it to the range and sighted it in. There was an area that was peppered with boar activity that I knew would be perfect for a night hunt. It was easily accessible with my truck and easy to find. I could set up in an area that overlooked a large, easy-to-navigate clearing. The night started uneventful, mostly me tinkering with my new toy, cycling through the settings. I was a little impatient. I had spotted some deer, but they were out of season, and as I mentioned earlier, my current setup wasn't legal for deer. I moved to another spot I had seen days earlier that probably wasn't much better than my first, but it gave me something to do and a new angle to look around with my scope. After an hour or so of glassing the area, it dawned on me. This spot doesn't have much animal activity at all, 
No rabbits or owls, and the deer that I had seen were hundreds of yards away from where I was. Why was this pocket of land in specific so dead at night, but lively in the day? I'd set up around 10pm and it was about 2am when I started to think about packing up. Maybe setting up a target before I left and taking some practice shots. I heard a crunch come from the direction I came from. I panned my scope over and saw the silhouette of a small bear pushing through the bushes. It's important to note that my scope isn't exactly night vision. It's a thermal scope, kind of like a black and white version of what you see in the Predator movies. I adjusted my range and zoomed in a little. I remember jolting a little when I saw that it wasn't actually a bear. It was a man. Because he was low and hunched over, I thought it might have been some sort of young bear at first. Is that a game warden? It couldn't be. I would have seen the headlights coming up the road from where I was. And where could he have walked from? I was 30 miles away from anything and on public lands. I was about to call out when I adjusted my sights and noticed he was naked. No shoes, pants, or anything. I remember being deeply disturbed by his movements, like a squirrel or something, twitchy and grabbing at the foliage, sniffing around and palming at trees. Was that my tree? The one I'd been leaning against earlier? The thought terrified me. Could he smell me? Then he did something I still have nightmares about today. He squatted and placed his hands in the dirt between his feet and stared straight up like a dog, mid-howl. And I heard it, a voice coming from that direction, a very compelling female voice. Help! I'm lost! There was a long pause, but neither of us moved a muscle. The center of my sights was trained at the dirt in front of his feet. I couldn't bring myself to aim directly at another person. It went against everything I had been taught about firearms. Were they lost? Was this some guy that had gone crazy out here? Why was his voice so feminine? Help, please, I can't walk. The voice called out. That's when I called bullshit. Not only could he walk, but when I first saw him, he was traversing the land with ease for a naked person. So good I mistook it for a bear. A damsel in distress routine. Luckily the lack of activity before had caused me to pack up most of my gear. I think I may have left behind a hat and a sitting pad, but I didn't give a single crap at that moment. I took my eyes off him for a moment to get my pack on. I buckled my chest strap and scrambled for my rifle. To my horror, he was in the same position, but his face was staring in my direction, and I swear I saw the smile. The thermal scope has an effect that makes animals' eyes appear white. How the hell had he heard me get up and put my gear on? He must have easily been 150 yards away. I screamed at the top of my lungs in that direction for that thing to F off. He stood upright, and it hit me how tall and skinny he was, easily six feet tall and very lean. He took a couple of long strides in my direction and I instinctively sent a round sailing above his head into the tree line. He was freaky as hell, but he hadn't really threatened me. What would I tell the cops? I was unwilling and unready to shoot a person. He stopped dead in his tracks and hunched down on all fours. The next one will kill you. Go away. He stayed on all fours and this time I had my sights trained on the center of him. His eyes were just above the grass like a large cat or something. I was trying to stop my trembling and knew that my voice had cracked a little bit on that last warning. I was terrified. That standoff probably lasted a minute or two, maybe less but it felt like a lifetime. 
In an instant, he bolted left towards the tree line opposite the road. So much for not being able to walk, I guess. I could barely keep my scope on him. He was moving so fast. He disappeared into the bush, and I sent another bullet sailing his way. I racked another round and tried to pocket the mag and swap for a fresh one, but I dropped it and didn't bother looking for it. I wasn't far from my truck and I wanted to get out of there. I could hear him in the distance yelling in this weird sound that could have been like a laugh or a cry. I scrambled up the trail and arrived at my truck breathless. I tossed my gear into the cab but kept the rifle in the passenger seat and sped off. For the longest time, I said that this story was more than likely from the perspective of having spotted some sort of deranged crackhead living off the land like some sort of caveman. I reported it to Fishing Game, but all they did was scold me for hunting at night alone and never received an update. It wasn't until a camping trip when I shared this with everyone that I heard about things called Wendigos, Rakes, and Skinwalkers. My story scared the crap out of my friends and they all told me about these legends. Honestly, I don't know what I saw that night, but it scared the crap out of me, and either way, I thought I'd share it with you all. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true backwoods horror stories that'll freak you out tonight. As always, if you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to hit that like button as it helps me out a ton. The more likes this episode gets, the more YouTube promotes it, and that's very helpful to the swamp growing. If you're listening to this on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please be sure to give this a 5-star rating over there as it really does help me grow, and it's very much appreciated. If you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'm always looking for creepy stories from the woods and just nature in general. If you're new to the swamp, why not join us? Be sure to hit that subscribe button and turn on notifications to never miss a new episode, as I upload them nearly every single day on all things natural and supernatural. If you're on the go but don't have YouTube Premium but would like to download and listen to all of your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories no matter where you are, you can download them absolutely free from Spotify. Apple Podcast, Stitcher Radio, and just about anywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. If you'd like to support The Swamp outside of all that, maybe check out my Twitch channel. I stream multiple times a week, we watch horror movies, we play horror games, and do all kinds of cool stuff out in nature. You can find a link to do so in the description. Be sure to check out the merch store, I've got t-shirts, hoodies, and more. Join me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and I'll see you guys soon with another creepy episode.